What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I'm a little bit self-conscious recording this intro. So a little background. My wife is a high school English teacher, and uh, she's home for the summers. I, I try to usually wait until I'm actually alone in the house to record these. I don't know why I'm so self-conscious. Just a little bit of insight into uh, how this thing is recorded and the weird stuff that goes through my head in order to bring it to you. Needless to say, if I'm a little quieter, I apologize, or my enthusiasm is a little bit lower, it's because I'm measured. I don't want to be yelling, because then my wife would be like, hey, are you okay down there? And I'm like, yeah, it's just me recording my intro. I'm sorry. Insecurities aside, the guest this week is Mr. Brandon Chapetti. He is a vocalist for now defunct band Bleeding Through. He's basically been a large, looming figure within the Orange County music hardcore scene as it were especially between the bands that he played in with bleeding through and throwdown and 18 visions like or has some connection to it's pretty crazy and then now he owns a very successful gym more on him in a minute that's my nice little tease but uh, let's get some uh, some business out of the way for those of you that have been donating to the show i appreciate it so much it's cool when it seems to be that internationally people are donating so I, maybe it's just this this concept of, uh, oh, yeah, I'm used to giving money to cool stuff. Maybe that's more pervasive over there. I don't know. But regardless, Kimo from Finland, thank you so much for your donation. I really appreciate it. Shout out to, I don't know if it's him or her. Isn't that sad that I, I don't know? I, I never asked. So, uh, but yeah, I really appreciate the donation. Appreciate the comments as well. And if you want to leave a comment from the iTunes store, go there, type in 100 words podcast, type in some words, type in some sentences, hopefully, that are cohesive. And then, uh, yeah, leave some stars because it legitimizes the show. I really appreciate it if you do that. And one and only Carol, thank you very much to you, whoever you may be, said something cool. Said, it. this show can provide insight and advice for those wanting to work in the industry someday. Love it. That's great. I have been thinking of doing a sort of bonus episode in regards to, uh, you know, maybe just kind of sitting down with uh, one of my friends who also is working in the music industry, uh, kind of what I, I do already, except more specifically focus on the business side of things. Because, I mean, even though there's a lot of podcasts that are kind of popping up that are speaking more specifically about, you know, what it's like to tour, be in a band, all that other stuff. Um, I think that uh, there's some there's some conversations that are are, are not being had out there. So. I'm just I'm toying around with it. So if you think I should do it, email me 100 words podcast at gmail.com because I, I don't want to do it if you're not going to listen to it. That's ultimately, you know, I get that feedback. I get that rush from, from speaking to you, the listener. So thank you very much for that nice comment. Visit Property of Zach, our awesome media partners, propertyofzach.com and visit the show's website. I've been updating the website uh, as far as features and you can sign up to a mailing list and there's a bunch of fun stuff on there now. So if you haven't visited in a long time, visit there, 100wordspodcast.com. And like I said, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Before I spoke about Brandon, I wanted to speak about something specifically relating to a medium of music that I absolutely worship, which is vinyl. So recently some stats came out in regards to, I, I think it's, this year's sales, so this year being 2014, um, saying that, you know, uh, vinyl sales have been on the rise for the past like 
five to six years. It's, you know, it's the only growth industry besides digital in, in the music world. And even digital has kind of plateaued. And so I'm kind of, it's this weird sort of bittersweet thing where I hear the sales numbers continue to rise and more people are showing interest in this format. And it's awesome because obviously it shows a certain level of dedication and interest to something that's a little bit larger than just a pixel on a screen and um, that tangibility that obviously vinyl provides. But the the sort of devil's advocate that game that I play with myself is the fact that it, it scares me. It straight up scares me because the more people that are, and when I say people, the more business stuff that starts to influence why people create vinyl. Like I look at you know, a great record that I purchased recently from a band called Mastodon. They're on a major label. They're on reprise records. And, you know, for a double LP, I paid close to $40 for that. And realistically, I mean, I know the price personally of how much this costs to manufacture. So it's one of those things that I look at that and I'm like, man, that's indie labels charge maybe 25 bucks at the most. And granted, this is a store. So of course, prices are a little inflated because it's passing through so many hands. But yeah, basically, I just I worried that this format will be priced out of relevance now in the same fashion as CDs was. Because I mean, you remember, for those of you that existed when CDs first started to hit the markets, you know, they were like 17 to 20 bucks. And then it started to kind of wane where the price just got too expensive and people were kind of fed up paying those prices. And I think that is something that can happen to vinyl eventually and then really, really kill and hurt the format. That's my concern. I, tell, tell me if you think I'm crazy. I just, I, I'm, I'm trepidatious. I'm fearful for the constant increase in, in sales and vinyl. And then plus, we're also going to get really, really stupid releases like stuff that's like, I look at record store day and I look at like the titles that get released in regards to, Oh, here's a, you know, disturbed 12 inch. How many people are actually buying a disturbed 12 inch? How many people are buying these, these bands that I look at and I'm like, dude, in a year, you're going to look in like the used bins across America and you're going to find so many copies of that, that people aren't going to know what to do with. And so I just always wonder where it's like, why you totally see dudes in a room being like, Oh, record store day. That's a thing, right? What, what bands do we have? Oh yeah. Let's go ahead and do a, a disturbed 12 inch. I'm not picking on them specifically, but that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. So yeah, I just, those are my worries. So yeah, hopefully vinyl will, will stay in that nice, sweet medium of being awesome to collect, but not too pricey that major labels feel like they need to put all of their resources in. Because, I mean, I'm not faulting them. They're making money, and they, they, that's, that is their right to do so. But, um, yeah, anyways, Brandon Chipetti, rant is over. Here we go. Now we're moving into the, the, the part that you tuned in to listen to. <laughs> so Brandon Chipetti, I have known him for years and years and years. He was kind of my one of my first entry points to people uh, to the scene, so to speak. You know, I was going to shows at the time and I started playing in bands and was meeting people, but it was one of those things I'd always looked up to Brandon and his bands and was like, they're doing such cool things. And, you know, he's a year or two older than me. And I felt like he was close, but not to the point of where we actually met each other. So I'll tell the story in an actual interview of how we met. But um, yeah, he was able to do many, many amazing things with uh, his bands and obviously everything that he's done that is well-documented within that that context. But many people don't know that he does an awesome gym here in Orange County and fitness has been part of his life for a long time. So we talk about that towards the end and he owns his own gym and he's been building that from scratch 
for the past four or five years. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brandon, and I will talk to you after. Yeah. To you. Okay. So I'm going to take you back. I'm going right. to see if you remember this. Okay. I have a feeling you may. You may. Okay. So here's you. Probably 1996, 97 maybe. Okay. Maybe a little before that. You were working at Smoothie King. Yes. So I was working at that Blockbuster video. Yes. And I remember, I, I can't remember if either you came into Blockbuster or I came into Smoothie King. But basically you were like, we, we, we made a recognition where you were just like, are you? do you drive that Volvo that has all those hardcore stickers? Yeah. And then I was like, at, at that time, I was like, I had just seen you playing yeah. some show and I was just like, oh my God. Like, I totally went in that like... How glamorous you were to do the game. But it's funny because <laughs> yeah. my brain didn't even work. I was just like, holy shit, like, that's bread. Oh my God. Like, you go into that because you just don't, you're not used to seeing people outside the context in which you see them. For sure. So I immediately went into that. Oh my gosh. But then you were obviously a normal human and yeah. cool. And so I was like, oh. And then I remember... You, I remember we hung out and you, I discovered at the gates via you. Oh yeah, for sure. Where that you were like, playing. That was like my, in my car, in my everything all day long. You played, yeah, you played yeah. Slaughter, Slaughter of the Soul. Slaughter of the Soul is the fucking shit, man. It's so good. And I just remember being like, wow, like I, at that time I'd never heard yeah. that because I was just getting into stuff like that. But it was just like, it was one of those things where it was like, I was really grateful that you were nice because it's one of those things where it's like. You're always scared when, I mean, especially like you never know what your actions will do to other people. For sure. Especially when you're first like getting into some sort of music scene or some sort of subculture. Yeah. Where it's like if you're either standoffish or weird or what, I mean, not even weird, but just like you have some level of negative interaction. That person may not like dive into that deeper. Yeah, for sure. No, I get it. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people that like you, you either looked up to that you started to interact with, like, you know, who, who was that to you or you were just kind of well, like, honestly, I was so afraid to leave, to meet like Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig, you know what I mean? Like to yeah. people I look up to, I mean, it's definitely a, a larger scale, but yeah, like I remember like when I first met, saw Henry Rollins at a place called Paquito Moss, like it's a Mexican restaurant in, in like Hollywood area. Right. And he walks in and I'm like, holy fucking shit. That's Henry Rollins. Right. And I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to like not say anything. So I totally chicken out. Right. And I'm right. just like sitting there and I'm like, I'm not going to fucking say anything. I feel like a fucking turd. And I'm like, well, and you're also rolling those conversations in your mind. Like totally. Like, here's, what, this is the I best even, entry point. Right? I don't even open up the conversation of like, Hey, Henry Rollins, man, you're like my fucking idol. Like, right. You know what I mean? So we're sitting, I'm sitting there with like a friend for like 20 minutes and he's sitting there eating by himself and, and he gets up and he's like, has his tray and he's getting up to throw his tray away. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I lost. I fucking, I, I fucked up. I didn't say anything, <laughs> but he comes right over to me and he looks at like my misfits tattoo and he goes, so I like your tattoo, man. And I'm like, Hey, fuck yeah, man. Misfits. Right. And then he's like, Hey, I got, you know, I got a few. I'm all cool. And he's like, showed me his misfits tattoos. And I'm like, this is kind of weird because I've always heard that he was very, like, never talked about his tattoos. Sure. Very, like, you know, very guarded with, like, his whole, like, just anything. Right. Like, not very one of these people that's going to come up to you and talk to you about anything. He'll, sh- he'll share his experiences, but, like, you definitely don't... You, you feel like he just reveals parts of himself. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah. he came up and he's like, nice tattoo. Here's my tattoo. And I'm like, cool, man. I'm like, I'm yeah. He's like, hey, I'm Hank. I'm all cool. Like, he referred to himself as Hank, which is <laughs> I know, you're like, what? And I'm like, wait, this is the wrong person? No, right. 
But, uh, and he was super cool. We talked, for, honestly, for, like, five minutes. Yeah, but still. He's like, like, yeah, I'm just like, well, you know, I know, I like I said to him, like, you know, I know who you are. Like, I've, you know, followed, like, your work, like, your your career for as long as I've been into, like, any sort of alternative, like, lifestyle as far as, like, music and, right. you know, art, literature, and stuff like that. So, I'm like, yeah, I just really respect what you've done. So, I, got, I went away from that experience and be like, thank God that dude was like a real dude because if he was a douchebag, it would have just sucked, right? Totally. So, the weirdest thing is ever is when the second time I had an interaction with him was backstage at Warp Tour. Okay. Really strange. Yeah. He did a couple Warp Tour shows as, with Rollins Band. That's right, I remember that. And it was like, you know, not really his thing. Mm-hmm. And from what I understood from the bands that were on Warp Tour that year was he wasn't around until like basically... He got a fucking cab to the venue, went on stage, and like bailed. Yeah. So the day that I was at Warped Tour visiting, I can't even remember which band I was visiting, hanging out with, he was he was fucking backstage. Right. And so I'm like, you know, I'm not even gonna be that dude. Like, hey man, remember me? I, you know, because even when it happens to me, it's like even if I have like a straight hour long conversation with somebody, yeah, I'm not gonna always remember like what. Right. Remember that person, it's and hard. then I'll feel yeah. like a fucking complete douchebag right so I'm walking by him and I'm like I'm not gonna go say that and so I'm just gonna see if I can make eye contact give him like a sup yeah. sup up, up right? you know and he looks at me he's all misfits tattoo and I'm all yeah and he's like I met you at Paquito Moss your name's close. so close I'm like I even said I'm like that's so close my name's Brandon he's like oh it's like fuck I thought I nailed it yeah yeah and it was so rad because I'm like at least he fucking remembered which was yeah. super weird and it was like it was strange because when I met him, I had a mohawk, and then this next time I had no mohawk, and right. you know, yeah, there was a lot. It was a little just, bit different, right? Right. It was really cool. So it was kind of like similar type thing. The other thing was the Danzig thing. Yeah, I interviewed Danzig for Revolver magazine like years ago, and I was so nervous that he was going to be an asshole because all I heard was "Glenn Danzig's an asshole," right? Right. Right. But I was like, you know what? People have said that about me, and I don't really feel like I'm an asshole. Just maybe people met me in a different totally. They hit you the wrong day, wrong whatever. day, right. wrong whatever. So I interviewed Glenn Danzig and he was fucking awesome. That's great. And another thing, like when I went to go see Danzig play with like, I think it was like Pennywise and it was like the Affliction. Oh yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. I remember that. So yeah. he headlined at, at Long Beach Arena and I'm sitting or and I'm sitting there backstage and he rolls up in this van and you know security like parts the Red Sea so he can walk in. Sure. And he fucking comes out of this van and the van's great because it's like a total rapist van. <laughs> his van comes up and he and he walks out and he like looks right at me and I'm like. Uh, okay, like when Tangs is looking at me, right. he comes up, Brandon, what's up? I'm gonna go get ready to play. And I'm like, that was it. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. And all my friends are standing around me, and I feel <laughs> so fucking cool. I'm like, Glenn Danzig doesn't give a shit about anybody here, but he fucking beelined it straight for me, say what's up, right? getting ready for the show. And I'm like, that's sick. You're like, that feels great. That's cool. Yeah. Those So those two instances <clears throat> where I was backstage places and Henry Rollins and, and Glenn Danzig saw me and spotted me. That was probably the two highlights of my life. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you're like everything else is everything is else second. is fine. <laughs> Fifteen year band career and all that kind of shit. Like it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The fact that like those two dudes, like, kind of remember me. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's yeah, it's definitely that. That sort of like when you just realize that those other people that are creating stuff are like human. That's yeah, when it's sure. like, and that's all it was. Exactly. Because you know that whole element of them being like a normal guy. Right. You know what I mean. Because it's it, yeah, it's so hard to think of of people that you respect at, from that perspective as yeah, that the, they're going to the grocery store. Well, and that's the funny thing too is like once you see them in that light, you could see them as hey, this person on Sunday is probably barbecues and watches football. Precisely. You know what I mean? Totally. So you're thinking about it, and you're like they're doing that's real weird, right. <laughs> real shit. You know? 
Yeah, totally. Because you just you oh that that's so glamorous. They're probably yeah. someone. No, they're just yeah. they're existing in the same planet we are. Exactly. Uh, you've uh, you've always struck me too. The uh, this is another overviewing or overarching theme that I've seen throughout your life. Just because I mean since I've known you for yeah. fifteen you know plus years, you are uh, you're an extremely intense individual. Kind of how you were saying earlier how people obviously may peg you as like oh Brandon's kind of an asshole. It's like, kind of high strung or you know kind right. of, or uptight and stuff like that. Yeah, right. totally. <laughs> right, I get it. And then and then obviously on that you've always been very open about like your depression and the stuff for that sure. you've suffered uh, or you know that you could probably still battle with in some oh, yeah. capacities. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think both of those things that people people probably project that you either shouldn't or can't be depressed because of like what you've experienced in your totally life. like you know, nothing should be wrong with you you look like you have like your life together and sure. you know yeah it's a, it's a sort of thing where like you know everybody that you know whether people like to admit it or not people when they get up on that stage and they play shows they have a little bit of a god complex mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah whether you're playing a, a show in a fucking bookstore or a record store in front of 20 people or yeah. you're playing like a festival in europe in front of sixty thousand people there's a certain element of like fuck you know i'm on this stage and you know I'm empowered. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And of course you try to portray that to people as well. Uh-huh. So I think people try to like kind of put you like in that spot where you, you know, they see you as something that's like, you know, larger than, than life to them or maybe like an empowered position of being like on this podium basically. Right. right. Having a microphone, having like a podium, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, why would that person be depressed? Like they're on that stage, like fucking having the time of their life, which is, I am having the time of my life, but you look at a lot of artists, you know, whether it be like literature and, or, mm-hmm. you know, painting and, or anything like that, or like music or any sort of like, any creative, any art. creative art. Yeah. Okay? A lot of times the muse of those creative people is due to depression. Sure. You're not fitting in, you know right. what I mean? Feeling like alienated from like the normal society and this and that. So for me, my muse was complete heartbreak. And mm-hmm. I've never been like candid with of like, you know, straying away from that. Um, it's always been about that for me. Like music, music to me, I think was a way for me to deal with my issues. And I never even knew that I really had any like issues until I really acknowledged it through like my life. You know what I mean? And and it's every day I, I start to realize other things and it's like, God, man, I'm really fucked. You know what I mean? But you know, music was my escape. And so for me, it's like, I was trying to use my music as like an escape from my life as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and I always wanted bleeding through to be a band to where someone would be like, you know, I was going through a rough time and bleeding through helped me because there's so many bands that I, through my life that were like that band to me, you mm-hmm. know, I just find it because I, I found it always so interesting that people, like I said, um, especially look at you where it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're from Orange County and this can yeah, be applied yeah. to almost anybody totally. that played in our scene, but it's like, yeah, you're a white dude from Orange County. You've, you know, you, you, you come from, you know, uh, I mean, not uh, wealth, you yeah. particular, but it's like, you know, like, For yeah, sure. middle class. I'm a middle class, I'm a middle class, you know, white kid from Orange County. Yeah. yeah. And I just always, I always remember not like, not about you specifically, but just conversations going around, especially like, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. It's like, what do these dudes even have to be like depressed about or like angry about? It's like, <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's funny <laughs> is you look back on it, you're like, what did we have to bring up? Everybody has... Everybody has issues that they deal with. I mean, sure. for me, I've discovered in the last like couple of years, you know, I've always dealt with like anxiety and depression, uh-huh. um, mainly like anxiety, social anxiety, which is kind of weird getting up on stage. Right. But, you know, there's times like, dude, I didn't want to get out of my van. I didn't want to get on that stage. There's, you know, 
a few years of like, especially like at our, I think at Bleeding Through the Pinnacle where we were, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily the pinnacle of the band, more like the pinnacle of our music genre where, sure. you know, you fart on a record and you're going to sell fucking 20,000 <laughs> copies and make like a good couple year run. Right. So I was miserable. I was miserable during that time. You probably just era. felt like you were part of, part of the machine. Over so it. I was yeah, completely yeah. over it. Before that, everything was new. You'd show up and there was the, the element of like surprise, like, shit, there's only 20 people? Cool. Those 20 people are going to be out to see a fucking epic show. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, where'd all these people come from? You know what right, I mean? Right. It was every day was something new and then it became so routine. Mm-hmm. Like, and then it became like such a numbers game, you know, like people were like, oh, you know, how many people were there? What did you emerge? What, what this? And it became important. Numbers became important to other people other than the band. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a really hard time dealing with that because I felt like people were trying to take a part of our emotion away from us of the music and turn it right. more into like a business of course you know what i mean well yeah and you never see you you i never sought out to be a business right you never it just happened right you know by default the singer of exactly. a band should be exactly so you know what i've realized what i've what i've come to understand in the last couple of years is that i've actually been dealing with being bipolar for probably since i was like you know yeah mid-teens sure but i never acknowledged that because of my old diagnosis which is social anxiety okay and then eventually my therapist, um, I went through a, I went through a, a divorce and, right. and I, I basically made a choice to, um, really try to figure out what was going on. And there's been a lot of trial and error and a lot of fucking up going on. So, sure. but through the last couple of years, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs, but I've really tried to make a conscious effort to sack up and figure out what the fuck's wrong with me. So I got really diagnosed and. Um, cause there's certain ways that I was like acting where I just didn't understand. Sure. Um, and then I got diagnosed bipolar. So, um, that must've felt like that must've felt kind of liberating in a way. It was, it was a very weird, weird feeling because uh-huh. I didn't know that I was that. And so sometimes when people say you're this, right. You're like, fuck man, really? Right. But yeah. at the same time I'm like, well, that makes sense because there's so many times in my life that like the last, like decade where I didn't feel like I had like power over myself. Sure. You're in control. Right. Fuck. Yeah. So some, you know, it's you know, the old school, you know, terminology for bipolar is manic depressive. So sure. you're either manic, which you're like fucking, woo, this yeah. is the best fucking day ever. <laughs> or you're just like wanting to fucking rip apart everything around you. So right, right. I always just really found myself in the rip apart around everything around you sure. mode. And I think a lot of people met me during that mode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I realized that and, you know, I've been dealing with that as well. So, I mean, I think obviously a lot of that comes with age with for maturity sure. to where you can be like, you can actually look at yourself. Yeah with with cl- a clearer vision than what you I mean none of us could look at ourselves when we were you know 15 16 17 years old yeah and like have any sort of clarity on what we were feeling for sure yeah it's just a, just a bunch of shit going bunch on bunch of shit going on exactly so <laughs> and that's the thing it's like you know human and yeah you know so but i mean dude some of the most successful people in the world battle with like mental issues and of course and stuff like that so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you're you're not alone from that perspective but it's 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 great that you are able to look at something and feel feel like you have some sort of plan. Exactly, that's, exactly. That's where you feel like you got to acknowledge it. You can't be in like denial of like what's no. going on because that's just going to make it worse. You're basically right. like an addict at that case. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's like you know, it's like you're an alcoholic and you're still denying that you drink. Yeah. <laughs> 
fucking yeah, a jack every day. Right, exactly. Oh, I didn't just do that, or I drank like a little... No, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to compensate. Yeah. Uh, but you yourself, you were, you were born and raised in Orange County? Yeah. Is that where you... Yeah. Where in particular? Uh, I was born at Hogue Hospital in Newport. Oh, nice. So close to Mesa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, were, you were primarily raised by your father? Did you split time with um, your father I split mother? time between my, my dad and my mom. Like, my, my parents were together until I was about 11, 12, okay. and then they split, and then... Midway through my teens, my mom moved back to Chicago because that's where her family, like, a lot of our family's from the Midwest and Midwest okay. roots, so she went back there to be closer to her family. Got it. Um, I stayed with my dad, and then, you know, it's kind of, I was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you lived in a lot of, I mean, you moved around a lot in Orange yeah. County? Okay. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, and the, and you're an only child, right? No, nope, I have an older brother. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so as you started to, uh, you know, kind of dive into, you know, high school and your formative years and stuff yeah. like that, how did you get intro to independent music in general? Like, cause I mean, you're, cause your brother was how many years older? He's eight years older than me. So, yeah, so that he would, to be honest, like, I mean, he did give me that intro to music. I okay. remember like early, the early years, he would, he would always buy me tapes. So you'd buy me like Metallica and like, okay. You know, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm trying to think of other tapes. But then he started, like, buying me, like, punk tapes. Like, okay. the first Suicidal Tendencies record and, like, Bad Brains. Because this would be, like, for Christmas or your birthday or something? Totally. Okay. And, like, you know, whereas, like, a lot of people in my family were getting me, like, Bobby Brown tapes. <laughs> my brother's like, hey, this band's called Black Flag. Right. Check this out. Check this out. This band's called DRI. Check this out. And I just remember as an early age, I really was, like enthralled and, and and pulled to like fast music right like if it was the faster it was the more I was like fuck yeah I'll yeah, yeah, listen yeah. to this you're you like know? I get this yeah I get it so it just spoke to me at an early age and I think that uh, you know I, so I listen to bands like Minor Threat and stuff like that and you know what I used to do too like I'm sure like you're the same way like when I was younger mm -hmm. you used to go to independent record stores yep. and to find out about something you would see like a record or a tape or a CD and it would say like for fans of or sounds like sure you know what I mean so yeah, like, yeah. if it sounds like one of the bands you already listened to you bought it right you know so I started just doing that and started really just like and was the, I thought it was like really cool to listen to music that my friends didn't know what the fuck was oh sure was, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah you had an edge on it yeah, yeah so yeah. like and then I remember the first time I was introduced to to um, like straight edge bands was I found a tape of my brother's like tape yeah. box right it was a uniform choice record and and uh screaming for change and it was like the singer singing with like an x on his hand i remember right. asking my brother like what's that mean he's like oh it's straight edge and i'm like he's like i mean there's no drugs uh no alcohol and, and this and that and i'm like okay well and then you just call yourself straight edge right so i was like if you know it was just like new it was like idea to me and Right. Yeah. So it was kind of. Cool. And was it was that was that all kind of in junior high, leading into high school? That was leading into high school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, remember all he, that... I remember he gave me that uniform choice screaming for change record, and that was the first like time I've ever heard about like straight edge or anything like that. And I was in eighth grade. Sure. Yeah. Um. And so then, yeah, as you as you started to hit in high school, um, you know, because you were at the time you were also completely immersed in baseball, right? Oh yeah. Like you, yeah. I mean, because baseball that was like my life. Right. Yeah. Because it didn't you you kind of. You basically chose music. I, I over, chose music over sports. Right. I mean, and that was like what, like junior or senior year of high school? That was my junior year. Okay. Um, I didn't play my senior year. Um, that must have been a huge deal. That was a pretty big deal. I mean, for not only for you to but, admit it to yourself, but exactly. Then, but you know, I started at that time. I started playing guitar for Eighteen Visions, and right. we started playing shows. And I remember just getting on stage for some being like, "Yeah, baseball. What the fuck is baseball? <laughs> right? Like, right." 
You know, it's funny though. You're like, yeah, but the Showcase Theater. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So I remember we played a show with Napalm Death at Showcase Theater. And I was like, this is sick. I got You're the, like, here's my walking paper. Oh, the next, in the next day, I had like a baseball tournament. I remember just like being like, I'm not going to fucking go. Yeah. That was it. And you just did And that, that was it. That was it. You just, you like figuratively dropped your glove and just kind of walked away from yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Was your, because uh, I, I presume that your, your father was pretty invested in your baseball career. He was career. pretty was, bummed. Okay. Yeah. Was that, did you guys have a lot of uh, fights over that, or was he just he like... He didn't really support the idea that much, but sure. you know, later on in life, I think he saw that like um, that I was doing something with my life, Yeah, you know what I mean? So he got really behind. He got behind the music just like I was playing baseball still. Okay. I mean, the dude has like boxes and boxes and boxes of magazines and everything. More stuff that I have as far as like right. of bleeding through stuff, so it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Especially during the time that we obviously were going to shows really heavily yeah. and that the scene was exploding. There was this weird, you know, delineation where it was like, you can't really be into sports. Like, you could maybe secretly be into sports. Yeah, I was definitely secretly into right. it, but yeah. But like, I just found it so weird and like, to, to I mean, essentially you're choosing between two passions. And I, I think a lot of people that experience what we did yeah. didn't necessarily do that. They were yeah. just like, I'm not doing anything else. Besides yeah. playing music. Yeah, for sure. And to like to make that choice was hard, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because like I still play in like I play now right. in like a weekend like wood bat hardball baseball league with okay. my friends and stuff. And I played in the league for like three, like fuck five years now. Right. right. And I mean like Riley, Riley from Bryce plays yeah, on my yeah. baseball team. Sure. Like my men's league team. It's it's pretty cool. It's a collection of a bunch of assholes. But it's, right, it's right, fun. right, right. No, yeah. You're still able to scratch that itch. For yeah, not, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. And so, like, as as you started to, I mean, because essentially that that the, the independent music scene started to, you know, really hit, especially, I mean, because you went to, did you go to Newport Harbor? Newport Harbor. Okay. And that was, like, you know, kind of ground zero in many capacities yeah. for that whole metalcore scene. Yeah. Um, was it, when did you kind of realize that this was, I guess, expanding, where it was like, oh, this is bigger than just, like, our high school, like, you know... That's what was always interesting to me to watch it, especially as an outsider, because like you know, I didn't go to Newport Harbor. Yeah. Like, I went to Orange Lutheran, and it's yeah. like we were kind of you know, we were always like, oh, like we're kind of a part of the scene, but like we don't sound like any of the bands, and yeah. it's kind of always weird. Totally. But then since you guys were at Ground Zero, it was always kind of really um, you know, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of jealousy there, where it was like all these bands are like literally ten times bigger than we are. You know, it was really weird. Like I think when it, when I started realizing it was like kind of bigger than just at like our high school is we used to always have like high school shows right because there's a lot of bands that were like from it's funny because I look back on it it's like Newport Harbor okay we had bands there's there's like you know I was in hardcore bands other friends were in hardcore bands there was punk bands at our high school there was fucking everything sure and then eventually it spawned into like you know parts of 18 Visions right parts of Throwdown right parts of Adamantium parts of like you you know all the and eventually bleeding through and yeah but we used to have all these like local shows of all of our old bands and it's funny because it was like this band called good hue that play that was from newport harbor the singer of good hue is steve aoki and it's like fucking steve aoki is right? now like yeah yeah you know M- millionaire yeah. on his own right in his own yeah exactly yeah. like probably one of the biggest djs if not the biggest in the world right, right. Now. so you know and he's part of that. He was part of like the whole Newport Harbor like hardcore scene and all that kind of stuff. And so we started having like these local house shows at friends' houses or garages. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like people from other schools were uh-huh. coming to them, like hardcore kids and punk rock kids and stuff. Okay, yeah, and then yeah. it was other schools and other schools. And eventually we were like having these shows and there was like a hundred kids in a fucking house. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Right, right. You know, and, and I think that's when we started realizing that like 
This could be at like a legitimate venue. Or yeah, whatever. maybe yeah. we should like do like real bands, not like start a new band every week. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's why the inception of like Throw Down and Eighteen Visions started happening at that point. Yeah. It was like, you know, I met like James and a lot of people from like Huntington Beach mm-hmm. um, from Eighteen Visions, and we kind of Javier and I started playing in Eighteen Visions and playing shows and Throw Down happened, and it was just sort of like from there. And it was like I was saying, like with that type of music. In that type of time, it was like such an organic local scene that grew in Orange totally. County. Yeah, and I don't think that scene exists anymore. Like the local organic, like you have a hard, I think, yeah, I think I it's agree. such a, a bigger scale now to where if lo- just local bands played somewhere, you're not going to get those like the support. You totally. Know what I mean? it's no, like, yeah. What show are you like? What big show are you playing with? You know? Right, you, so. you definitely, you know, I, it's a really important point because I think, I mean, a lot of times you don't even necessarily know where a band is from. Exactly. Like their members live everywhere. Yeah. Like it's like two dudes live here, two dudes live everywhere. Well, I, mean, I think that's, you know, the internet's kind of the reason that. Totally. But back then it's like none of us had internet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you, weren't, you weren't able to be like pull people in from no, Vegas to play with No, you. absolutely. So it was like, hey, like you probably don't know how to play this instrument but let's like learn. You know what I mean? Right. One of those things. So, um, <laughs> So, and you, you were, uh, obviously you were doing guitar in a lot of, of the early bands that you yeah. were playing in. Um, was the, uh, but you always felt, or you, to me it always seemed like you felt more comfortable singing. Was that not the case? Did you like no, guitar better? No, I, I actually hated singing at first. Okay. When I would get on stage, it was like this overwhelming like feeling of anxiety. Okay. When, when I was singing and eventually it would just come out. Yeah. And I think it attributed to like me becoming better on stage I feel okay because I kind of put myself into like a different state of mind I was about to say you like it definitely seems like you could have put yourself into like some sort of like character yeah like a different version of yourself and I think I probably was doing like an alter ego because with guitar it was like I was in my own bubble yeah like I remember when I was playing guitar I never really like remembered any of the shows right I was just just like a thing and rocking out by myself so I wasn't really remembering anything and it's just like one of those weird weirdo ordeals Right. I think with musically, like with with singing, the only reason I want to do is because I wanted to like express myself a little bit better. Right. Or diff- not better, but express myself differently. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you would be able to, yeah, put pen to paper and obviously yeah. have that sort of lyrical representation. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, there there was a, the, like just because so much attention started to come to the particular the Orange County scene yeah. in general, in, like the early two thousands, um, it was it, oh. I found it interesting that there was, I mean, I think this happens with most creative outlets where there's, like I was alluding to earlier, that sort of like jealousy slash competition, like this weirdness where it's like, you're obviously all in it together and there's not that like backstabbingness, but there were definitely elements of just like, huh, like we have to be protective over this scene. Like there is extreme jealousy. Okay. I mean, if you really look at it, it's like. Orange County produced so many fucking bands. Totally. And they're all... You know, it's funny, though. You look back, they all came from relatively the same time. Totally. It's like... It's within, like, a 97 to, like, 2000 well, time range was, you like... You look at it this way. It's, like, 18 Visions. Yep. Throwdown. Yep. Bleeding Through. Yep. Even Taken. Totally. It's, like, you had bands... Event Sevenfold. Had like, event Sevenfold. You had a tray. You had Thrice. You had... Totally. I mean, the list... 
literally goes like, <laughs> yeah. you know, at the tail end of Adamantium, Death by yep. Stereo, like <laughs> all these fucking bands. Same era. Right. You know what I mean? And so, of course, there was going to be like a little bit of like, well, why not us? Like, totally. why is this happening for this band? Why not us? Like, right. we need that. Right. Was, and But the thing is, I don't think it, if there wasn't that element of mm-hmm. like, sort of like a jealousy factor. Right. None of those bands would have been successful. Sure. I feel that it was like a lot of the success of that music time frame was driven by jealousy. Mm-hmm. It totally was. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. I would see things happening, you know, for other bands, and I'd be like, fuck, man. I want we, that. I want that. Right. What can we do to get that? You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's funny because that led all those bands down the path to, like, be successful. But I think at a time, at a certain point, it kind of led, you know, a lot of those bands to like split away and lose touch with the, with each other. You know what I mean? Because totally. like, dude, we were so close with fucking Event Sevenfold for a while, right? And you know, eventually, it's like they went off and did their thing. We were so focused on our thing, and it led to all these bands being so focused that when we were around each other, it was sort of like it's like we weren't even like friends anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean? No, totally. And it's kind of a weird thing, but now it's like I see a lot of those people, and it's everything. We're still close right but I think in the heat of like the battle of yeah. like what band is going to be from Orange County that's going to break totally. you know like totally. we're all fucking dead sprint you know what I mean <laughs> and eventually you know Avenged Sevenfold is it's not even a competition so. <laughs> right 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 yeah if, if there's a winner that is crowned they clearly yeah, yeah they're still doing it there far right but yeah no it, it's it's funny because I just don't think a lot of people I mean especially due to the age of everybody involved but like a lot of people are either ashamed or afraid to admit that sort of like yeah. weird weird competition that exists where it's yeah. like you can be friendly but then there's that sort of weird pull yeah. that you want something better for, for yourself. Sure. Um, then as you uh, you've always struck me as a person too in regards to the fact that you once you had to start to think about your future outside of the band yeah um, was that terrifying for you? Dude. Like when you, because I mean, you, you started to have to make that transition, like what, the mid 2000s? In, in regard, like whatever, 2006, 2007, when it was like, it was clear that you were unhappy yourself. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of like the, the moment when that happened. Uh-huh. It was sort of like this thing where, I think we were playing in like Germany. Okay. And we played a show in front of like 20,000 people or something like that. And right. I remember like going on stage and playing and fucking just giving it our all and I remember like I never really focused on the crowd that much yeah. but for that show I was focusing on the crowd and I remember just seeing like faces like look at us like like with the look on their face like why are you like playing like what are you doing I'm just waiting for fucking bring me the horizon like can you get the fuck off the stage right I mean no, nothing against that band because I think that band's great but it's like yeah you put, you can place any band in there that you, they're I, not there I, to see I you. straight up said to myself I, you know I got off that stage and I remember looking at our, our tour manager and I said to him he went up said, I, he could tell something was up and he's like what's up and I'm like you know what dude I think I'm done I think I'm done with this I'm gonna go home I'm gonna get into the fitness world I'm gonna open a gym okay and I said it like right right to him Just, I'm like I'm yeah. done this is it I'm gonna I'm gonna start transitioning I go home and, uh, you know, I said that, but I didn't automatically go home and be like, how am I going to do yeah, this? Here's I, had my no, I had no fucking idea how to do that. Right. But I started thinking on that tour because I was so kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you listen to it and you're like, if anybody's listening, how can you be miserable playing it? I loved doing it. Right. But 
sometimes it just gets really hard yeah. when something that you created that you did not want, that you didn't create to become this like business, mm-hmm. when it becomes a business and you lose a little bit of like that heart in it, yeah. where I feel like it just got like sucked out of me, I just lo- I lost it. So yeah. I go home and I'm like, okay, I don't really know just where to start. One of my friends is like, hey, I trained with this guy. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, where do you train at? I want to learn. You know, I want to train. I want to learn. Right. I remember going to his gym and walking in and seeing like a bunch of like professional hockey players. Chester from Lincoln Park was working out at his gym mm-hmm. and just like a couple other people. And I walk in and I'm like, there's like punk music on. And I walk in and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Like this is really this feels what I'm home. Do. This right. is this is my home after this music career. And I just remember I put that in the back of my brain. Yeah. I just sucked up as much input information learned as much stuff as I possibly could right. and you know started training people interning doing what I had to do dogging it too like you know Bleeding Through wasn't making a lot of money back then we barely made enough to like pay our bills right. but I was up at you know when we were home from tour I was up at 4.30 in the morning interning with, the, with this trainer uh-huh. just learning as much stuff as I possibly could right. and then it eventually kind of transitioned to this sure sure yeah you just you you did <laughs> I mean I think it's the, the one thing that I always love to see is when people are obviously able to take the uh, all of the applications that they learned in yeah. starting bands putting on shows whatever and just like because I mean that that's exactly well, start, what you did. starting a band back in that where it's like the wild wild west of like metal right. metal and hardcore yeah you you better have been paying attention to how to brand something right because we all had to brand mm-hmm everything totally. and we had to really push on them there's no like you know of course like we were in magazines and things were getting marketed but right. before that was even an option we had to do it ourselves you course. know what I mean yeah, yeah. so I took that grassroots branding marketing yeah. kind of ideas and said why can't I do this with a band why can't or what, a gym why can't I build a gym the same way I built a band totally you know have a, a, like have it be something so everybody could have something like pull something from it mm-hmm. feel welcome within it you know what I mean right and that's what I always want to do with bleeding through is be like listen there's a place here for everybody right in our music whether you listen to this type of music or not yeah. there's some some element that if you really dive into the music you'll find an element that you can relate with and gym wise I think that's what I wanted to do as well mm-hmm. I wanted to create a culture you know I hated going to 24 hour fitness and like LA fitness and stuff yeah yeah I'd rather create a culture where you go into a gym and you listen to cool music and nobody there's judging you. Everybody's there to work out. There's different walks of life. There's 65 year old man with grandfather with white hair working out next to a fucking 23 yeah. year old guy with face tattoos. Right. Yeah. And then a pregnant chick walking around. And then, you know what I mean? Totally. But everyone's there for the same reason. It's like a good vibe, you know? Right, right. I guess it's sort of the way that. I remember hardcore mm-hmm. being when I first started going to shows. Right. Before it was such like a, it became like a set fashion. Oh, totally. Or it became subgenres. Totally. And it, it was like, hey, yeah. there's this kid. He's the like the punk rock kid that goes totally. to hardcore shows. Right. You know, like with you, I remember like I remember you listen to a lot of like punk like punk music. Yeah. Back in the day. Like it was there's all like I knew of everybody by the type of like. Genre of music. Subgenre of music that they're into as well. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just the way I knew everybody. So, sure. Um, I kind of was like, you know what? I want this to be all encompassing. And right. so I started thinking about that around like 2008. Started educating myself really heavily then. And then when I was home, while well, all the rest of 
I don't know what other people in my band were doing, but yeah. I was here. Right. Or not here, but I was... Yeah, you were, tra- you were trying to... You were, you were planting the seeds. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's interesting what you're talking about, the, the, the culture and, like, you know, an experience. Because it's like, you know, you mentioned, obviously, it's like the corporate, um, you know, the corporate gyms, like, obviously, 24-hour yeah. fitness. Like, that, that's clearly, like, a whitewashing of the workout experience. For sure. And it's like, there's, you, you go in there because it's a blank canvas, and it's like, you can yeah. get whatever you want out of it. Totally. Rather than coming to a place like... Rise about fitness and being like, like, oh, this is like, this is. You feel like that, not only what you put into it, you'll get out of it, yeah. But that will also that will work just as hard. Like yeah, rise above sure. will work just as hard on for you. sure. If you commit to us, I, we will commit to you, right? And it's like a mutual understanding, so, right? And I think that's like what I try to do in here as well. Is like one thing I try to do with like, you know, with the music is I always went out on that stage and I tried to like give it a hundred ten percent. Yeah. And if I felt I was my worst critic, if I felt like I did not give it 110%, I'd be miserable. Right. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I just yeah, fucking wasted I called that times. In. Right, right. You know what I mean? And not and not necessarily thinking that I never went on that stage being like, ugh, I'm gonna cash it in. Yeah, yeah. But it was more like if I didn't feel like I did good enough, I would feel really bad. Like almost like I wanted to go back on stage and apologize. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when I had all like my fucking freakouts on stage because I've had some like monumental right. freakouts right. where I've had like straight up anxiety attacks and like throw the microphone like 40 fucking yards right out the know, crowd right out in the crowd you know <laughs> you know I've had those like fucking I call them like Danny Filth moments of Cradle of Filth because he always keep monitors and yeah, yeah, stomp yeah. around like a little bit a little, hit, little hissy fits so right, right, yeah. right. and I've had those moments and I feel the same thing here like sometimes I feel like when I work with one of my clients if I'm not like on how I'm supposed to be I'm just like fuck man I feel like I should apologize like buying lunch or something yeah. you know what I mean yeah yeah cause yeah. I'm making such a commitment to be here and support this and like I just want to be like the best for that person right I guess I just put so much fucking pressure on myself what, it, what that's sort of like segueing to is that I feel the time that when we came up mm. in the underground music yeah we all put pressure on ourselves, and we all can look at it and be like look what we laid the foundation and I hate I, yeah, I, I won't even like story from even like saying that. No, because it's not arrogance. No, it's, it's not at all. It's we our generation of hardcore kids or whatever yeah. you wanted to call us back in the day. Right, we're the ones that took it from Coos Cafe. Right, to Glass House. Of course, Come on. Let's, we took it from Coos Cafe. Right. to House of Blues. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who would have fucking thunk it? No. You know, bleeding through. Totally. Went from playing in front of 10 people at Coos, a floor show, right. to selling out two nights at House of Blues Anaheim. Totally. And what I found, what I, to me, what I also found so special and something that was like, you know, going back to what, you, what we were talking about earlier in like, regards to the jealousy, because it was like, you know, bands that were kind of on, like, because like, we were all, like, Taken was always kind of, you know, on the outside, because obviously we weren't heavy, we didn't sound yeah. exactly like, I mean, not saying that you guys all sounded the same, but we didn't have a lot of the elements that the other, you know, the other bands had. For sure. But... You, you had your own sound. Totally. You guys were in the realm, to me, you guys were in the realm of, like, a Thrice, where Thrice was... Just doing their own thing, right? You know, and it, it was it was to me that was that was special because it's like everybody could exist doing their own things, all building up to something larger. For sure. You know that you're pulling in a person that wouldn't go see Bleeding Through would come see you know Taken, and vice versa. Yeah. A person that would see Bleeding Through would be like that band Taken's awful, yeah. but at least you're inspiring that reaction, and that's sure. what I always say. Where it was like, dude, regardless of whether you hated it or liked it, it was forcing you to make a decision. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's like, sure. and that, that, that's why people, it's well, like, I kind of feel like now people don't have like a mind of their own. Totally. Like, I don't think they actually make decisions on whether they like a band by actually listening to it. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's more, it's more of, it's more of like a, it's more of like a fashion. Sure. You know, I hate, be, to, well, I hate be, to say that because well, I know that older hardcore <laughs> guys and punk rock guys and metal guys used to think that about our bands. Of course. Well. Of course. But, I mean, I do kind of feel like. Well, I People think, are afraid to form an opinion about a band sure. based off of the music that they actually play. Sure, you know. I, I think for I, I think for you know to to rebut anybody that could look at because clearly, I mean, what you're doing in bleeding through like catered to an image, catered to a uh, specific aesthetic. Totally. But the um, that was like it was all logical progressions. Like it didn't feel to me, at least on the you know, I mean, not only on the outside, but the, being a part of it as well seeing the, the progression of it where yeah. it was like each thing kind of was a logical step it wasn't like all of a sudden this had changed I mean even, even 18 Visions obviously yeah. as they progressed to you know being the, the stone temple heavy stone temple yeah, pilots towards the end you saw the progression totally as opposed to like oh like switching from one record to another where it was like oh what are you what are you doing here like yeah this band this band used to be a total beat down band now they sound like Data Remember right right yeah I mean they're gonna it, give it a shot I totally mean, I mean there's a band, and I don't, you know, I'm not gonna pull punches. They, yeah, yeah, they yeah know okay. they did. Right. There's a band that uh, has been kind of pushed our way a couple times for tours, and in, in certain regards, I've heard two different records, and one came after the next. This band's called The Great Commission. Oh yeah. Okay. So the first record that got, and I'm not saying this band's a bad band. Like, right, they're, right. They're pretty cool. The first record I got was like deathcore-ish, breakdowns. Sure. That kind of stuff. Right. That was one tour they tried to get pushed on us. The next tour they tried to get pushed on us, their next record came out. And it straight up sounded like a heavier day to remember. Okay. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it was like... You're like, how much time happened between the records? And like, what happened? And Totally. That's, but that always leads me back to people saying, well, you know, the truth had... When, when, did, you, when did you start singing? Like, did you fucking not listen to our other records? Right. There, it was like, it was a percentage thing. You yeah. may have done like 10% here... 20% here yeah. like it was it's like This Is Love Is Murders had singing right a lot of it <laughs> just not good right. and I don't think it was memorable to people so they don't really acknowledge it sure it's a very good the point the truth had memorable singing parts right Declaration came out had about half of the singing parts just I just didn't feel like it it yeah. wasn't in my I didn't feel like delivering my emotion that way right and then people started complaining that there wasn't enough singing on it so you <laughs> can never please anybody but no. I find that a lot of bands have tried the shit. This didn't work. Let's try this. Yeah, the or, chameleon shit, approach. This didn't work. Yeah. Let's try this. Sure. Know? Yeah. No. It's <laughs> the uh, something I also found interesting. Like the one or two more things I want to hit on before I left you was the um, the idea that you've always like through every uh, facet of the band's life, you've always been open about expressing the, the not only your own personal struggles, yeah. but like the struggles that the, a band goes through because people. Sure. People have, a, have, and when I say people, like your average, whatever, 13 to 16 year old kid has a preconceived notion about what a band is supposed to be like. It's like, oh, it's just fun and good times. Yeah. Like, you know, a tour is awesome. Like, there's nothing bad about it. Oh, yeah. But you've always been so open about that. Um, and has has that ever, have people been like, hey, could you, should, should, you, should you chill out on that? Like, can you, should you be a little more quiet about that? Like, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure, but it's like, there's, there's a lot of like harsh realities with touring. I mean, touring was so fun, but it was rough. You know yeah. what I mean? Back in the days, I mean, I mean, fuck, like, 
early 18 Visions days, I mean, we were like walking into like Denny's and like eating people's foods off their tables. Right. You know what I mean? Right. There's no, there's no glamour in that. It's like <laughs> scraping by to get fucking gas money to the next show. Right. And there's a lot of arguments and a lot of like, it was fun and it's a great experience. It was, you know, one thing I could look back and be like, dude, out of all the years of tour, it was just such a great experience. I've yeah. learned a lot about myself. It's formative. Absolutely. Right. But I mean, dude, it's like, I've always been candid about, or not, I've always been upfront about like the way that bleeding through is. It's like, dude, we're friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And I see everybody in bleeding through as like a family member, but it's, it's not like we talk all the time anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Which totally. is kind of like a sad thing. Like we still, when we're still around each other, it's yeah. like, dude, it's like we never stop touring, but it's not like we hit each other up on a daily basis to like chat. You yeah. Know yeah. What yeah. I mean? How's it going? Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. I think that touring around with somebody that long kind of burns you out on that person for that long because you're literally on top of each other yeah. for your life. Totally. So yeah, it's just like a, do you, it was, is there any component of, of regret in the way that you, um, either, you know, portrayed yourself, you put yourself out there. I mean, obviously at the moment, I'm sure so, you were feeling expressing honesty. Well, sometimes with, with bleeding through, I mean, the only time I, the only thing I regret with the, like the way that I reacted on the road with bleeding through is sometimes uh-huh. I was a little bit too, like total fucking like general. You know oh, what I mean? sure, yeah, yeah. Like I, you felt like you had to kind of keep the train on the track, so to speak. You yes, were like, the, okay. I was a little bit too intense. Sure. Sometimes, and sure. I think it rubbed my band the wrong way. I was maybe a contributing factor of the band not having as much fun. I kept it really right. business. Sure. I guess that's just my nature. I mean, we still had fun, but like, I think I maybe kept things like tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just because I think it boils, you know, goes into my bipolar. Is part of being bipolar is you need consistency. So if I didn't think things were consistent, I'd fucking lose my mind. Right. So like, and then I'd be even more of a nightmare to people. But as far as like letting people know like what went on with bleeding through and stuff like that on the road and in interviews and stuff like that, I have no regrets about that at all. Yeah. It paints a clear picture. We were what we were. Right. You know what I mean? And like, when we are what we are and we've never been a band that has shied away and tried to keep ourselves like a mystery for people. Right. We've always tried to be very flesh and blood and I feel that's the reason why we've had like such a long career is because people know that at our shows we're not going to be hiding somewhere until we go on stage. We'll just be chilling watching the other bands and like hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people come up like, oh my God, what are you doing out here? It's like, dude, I can't hang out at a show. show. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, and we, we become really flesh and blood with people. And I think that part of that is, you know, because of that, we've had like such a, like such a, I think a unique career. Right. You know, I feel we've had that, a very strong, you know, personal relationship with the people that have supported us. Now, that's also led to the, to the, some people thinking that they don't need to support us because they're friends with us, kind of. Okay. Or maybe they've talked to us like, Five times in a row when we've gone there. So the sixth time we go there, they don't go to the show. Like, oh, I couldn't make it, but like, cool guys. Right, right. But oh, they still, but they still like contact us like all the time. You know what I mean? Right. It's almost like they become. They've like they've overinvested. They need to pull back. Exactly. Okay, that's so, interesting. I never, I've never heard of that train and of I think thought. That's, I think that's happened quite a bit with a lot of bands. That's true. You yeah, because I mean? you, because the, the there's definitely an argument, especially in this day and age of touring, where it's like scarcity is a good thing. If you're not going through Birmingham, Alabama for the third time this year, that's probably a good thing, you yes. know? And, like, the, yeah. there, there is that element of, like, oh, we, we're going to see Ron in this city every time. 
Yeah. And this time when he's gone, you feel like you're like, what's happening? Dude, it's like a piece of you is missing. Right. You meet people that are like, Bleeding Through is the reason why I fucking... Right, I exist, yeah. Oh. Right. You know, I was in Afghanistan, I was blowing shit up listening to Bleeding Through, and I came home and I fucked my wife to Bleeding Through, and we have a kid now, <laughs> and fucking, you know, you right. guys... The most extreme example. The most yeah. extreme fucking story of how they're, your band, like, you know, played a role in their life, and then all of a sudden you don't see them at the shows anymore, like, but, fuck, man, like, what do we do? Right, right. And it's just because I feel like they feel like they over-invested. Yeah, in yeah. Cool. No, that's really interesting. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that, that, that we hit on that topic. Um, there's two last things. The one, like, going back to, you know, your the, the intensity of you as an individual, I always really, um, like, I remember when there was weirdness between us. There yeah. was a tension between us. And it was, uh, it, at, at, I am the most non-confrontational person. I am, like, a complete, I wouldn't even say passive-aggressive. Probably at the time I was more passive-aggressive yeah. than, like, now I'm recognizing it. But I remember, like, when we sat down in Denver, Colorado, yeah. where you you were like, right, let's talk. And well, we I just sat had there. my surgery like, a couple days before, too, on my face. To- totally. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. I, I And it was funny, because when we got on that tour, I didn't even expect that you guys were ever going to join up again. It was like we had two weeks before uh, Hellfest or whatever, and you guys were going to be completely, you know, you guys weren't going to take part of that. Yeah. And so then I remember, yeah... I, it was honestly, legitimately one of the only times I've like had that sort of like sit down moment with a person where it's like, okay, let's talk about our problems. Yeah. Like outside the context of like a family member. For sure. And it was one of those things where it's like, I walked away from it being like, I felt good about like putting it out on the table. For sure. And it, it was one of those things where I'm sure you did, you've done that with other people and they've gone the opposite direction where it's oh, just absolutely. like. See, people, well, people the thing is, it. is like I always, I always looked at like our Orange County like community and our scene as like a family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's always weirdness. I mean, I used to have weirdness with Alex from a trade. Sure. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. And you know that got squashed because we showed up in Europe once and we're like, well, who are we playing these shows with? A you? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> like I was yeah, like, yeah. are you? Wait, you're joking, right? right? You're like, out so of we everybody. Kind of got, you know, forced in the we're same, in right? fucking Chemnitz, Germany. Bleeding through and tray you yeah. show up at the same venue and we're both just like looked at each other and we're like, oh, well, let's talk. Yeah, let's have yeah. a pe- right. Let's have let's, a peace let's, let's hang out right quick. So I mean, yeah, it was. But I'm sure. I, I'm sure. Like I said, it went the opposite direction where people reacted negatively to you being kind of that sort of like. Again, I kind of want to take control of the situation. Yeah, for like, sure. Not in and not in like a alpha male way, but yeah. like in a. I, I feel like this needs to be established. We kind of had this, we had this weird mindset for a few years and I think that's when we had like issues with like certain bands. Yeah. Where we, Bleeding Through had this like mentality where we were just like, we were, like I said, like the way that I kept things were so like military-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We almost were just like, so like, not give a shit about sure. stuff. And if we had issues with people, we would just like tell Talk them. about yeah. this. Do this. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? And we just, we were like that for a couple couple years. And looking back on it, we were like, okay, well, we were young. Yeah, well, you of know? course. Yeah, you can totally chalk that up to yeah, like the youthful sure. exuberance. And everything, every day was a new experience. And it's really hard for like these fucking bands to go on the road and have like these new experiences. I remember like every day I'd get a call from somebody or hear this from somebody. If something new that happening of like a step in like a different, of like, a bigger direction for everybody. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of just like, it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because the, now the ceiling has been moved so high to where it's like, you, yeah, of course you can legitimately start a band and of course you could play like, you know, yeah. the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater or whatever exactly. or, or across the country. Right. The last thing I want to hit on was in regards to the gym. There, um, 
there's obviously the a connotation in regards to you know working out crossfit like the whole you know uh testosterone alpha male like that whole the the perception of that for sure um is it is it one of those things that you are concerned about that because obviously the way that that rise above is is marketed um is obviously is aggressive by nature just because that's kind of you know that's the culture that you want to create is it are you worried about that either turning off some people or being like, well, no, if that is turning off those people, they know that they kind of shouldn't come here and not being a disrespectful yeah, way. No, but no, I've heard this. I've heard that as well. As far as like people saying that, like maybe, um, the image here and sort of like the new way of like the new gym culture, right. I like to call it. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. more gritty gyms like this, um, with the, with the explosion of CrossFit, it's more just like more raw. Yeah. I think it turns people off, but I've actually sort of felt like it also makes... How am I going to say this without sounding like a complete fucking... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we can explore this together. Um, I think what... Cro- okay, because I'm not a CrossFit gym, but there's no. a lot of CrossFit gyms. Tons. But to me, CrossFit are like filled with people that used to make fun of me because I used to work out so much, but now they got into it because it was more of like a, a cultural, cult, yeah, like culturally, a scene, yeah. you know, type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the guys that used to try to fight me in high school for being straight edge. And then all of a sudden a couple of years later, we're like when straight edge was more acceptable, uh-huh. they were straight edge going to shows right, sort right, of thing. Right. That's kind of what I liken it to. And it's okay. And I, but I sort of think that, so I mean, that's not a way I'm not bashing it. Yeah. Not yeah, bashing yeah. CrossFit, whatever. Right. But, what I'm thinking is that, yes, this is intense, and, and, and I think that the whole fitness industry has just gotten more and more and more intense. Right. I don't necessarily think it, it might scare some people, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where you're just like, it's like Fight Club. It's like... You're kind of curious. I kind of want to get into this. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, totally. I kind of want to feel... I want to pull, like, my inner badass out and fucking try to get into this. Right, right, and right. And what right. I've found is, like... You know, a mom will come in here. Right. 43, let's say say hypothetical. Of course. 43-year-old mom has a 12-year-old, a 7-year-old, and, and a fucking 5-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They walk in here, and at first, when I was new to this kind of scene in this gym, I was kind of nervous. Like, am I going to walk her through to go see the gym? She's like, ooh, I don't really like yeah, this. Yeah, right. But now, it's like, I see that person, I'm like, she's going to find a place in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I walk her through and I'd be like, this is the gym. It's pretty gritty, but you know, we get after it and like you right. get great workouts. Everybody's really supportive. And you see that person go from like whole, gripping onto their purse in front of their chest. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know. To be like, all right, cool. I can see. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't think it really, it might be on a, on like at first glance, very intimidating for people, but I kind of feel like everybody kind of wants Sure. Everybody kind of wants to say they train at a place like this, right? Yeah, you know there's I mean? there's a, yeah there's an element there's an element of curiosity, and if a person is willing to explore that, yeah, and want to challenge themselves, then yeah. like that's why and it's the, there. And for me, it's like the people that aren't into it, the people right. that want to go to Equinox, like and spend like a ton of money on just like really fancy equipment and yeah, feel like a very sterile environment. And that's fine. You're just not our demographic. So right, it's basically like it's kind of like punk rock versus like yeah. A pop band like, or whatever. Like top 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just gonna, right. it just is what it is. We, we know we know who we're going to kind of appeal to yeah. immediately, and then hopefully we'll bring in, bring in other people as they go. It's yeah. the same thing as building yeah. bands. And that's, it's, you know what's funny is I talk about it all the time, the, yeah. the, the parallels between music and fitness. It's like the industries are so similar. Yeah. And if you could dive into that whole like issue, the whole thing of like, 
of the two and how they're so eerily similar as sure. far as like the scene and mentality wise and right. wanting to fit into this, the way that people market themselves, like the whole influx of like, you know, the explosion of like Instagram and everyone on Instagram thinks they're a fucking trainer and thinks right. that they have because, because they could pose half naked and have like 200,000 followers that should be, they should be giving fitness advice. And like, people are like, Oh my God, you're my hero because I see your ass crack on the internet. Of course. It's kind of the same as like when I heard about job for a cowboy because of how many followers they had on MySpace. Right. Totally. Same thing. Right. So they need, they need to like, there's, there's an air of legitimacy that needs to be in place before. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Before something else actually happens. Yeah. So, you know, and, and what's going to happen with the, with the fitness industry, with the same what's happening in the music industry, it's going to get completely oversaturated. Of course. And, you know, the things that have been constant and like legitimate are going to stick around. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm glad that we did this, Brandon. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. There is Brandon. Intense individual, right? This was one of the first interviews where I was. Uh, I don't know if I would say intimidated because Brandon, I've had on my list to interview for a long, long time. Just needed a kind of a time and a place. And because, you know, like I said in the interview, we had history. I was, uh, we've obviously grown past that because we're grown ass men. But it was one of those things where I was like, I don't, I, you know, hopefully we're cool. (laughs) And we totally were. And it was great. But uh, yeah, this was one of the few interviews where I carried uh, baggage into uh, from the perspective of you know, having, having a previous history with a person that, uh, I wasn't hundred percent sure was, uh, was past us. So anyways, check out rise above fitness, orange County. You'll be able to see Brandon's endeavors in that regard. And, uh, yeah, visit hundredwordspodcast.com. Visit propertyexact.com. Our producer show, best friend, awesome dude all around as always is Tom Richfield. And until next week, which I'm on vacation right now, Woo-hoo. until next week, be safe everybody.